0: And welcome to another episode of In The Area Podcast, your weekly source for wisdom nuggets. Today, I sit down with Scott Redner. Good day. Scott is the owner of Shakedown Vale, a live music venue and bar in the heart of the Vale Village. It's my favorite bar in Vale, and it's also a favorite spot of many of my friends who live out here. Scott is an amazing musician who has toured with artists like Lenny Kravitz, Dave Matthews, Ween, Blues Traveler, and he's currently in a band called Brothers Keeper, and he's got amazing projects in the pipeline for Vale that's going to bring the music out here and bring the vibe. A million thank yous to all of our listeners. And if you want to support the podcast, press that subscribe button on any app that streams podcasts the lights are turned down to a nice level we're comfortable we're at scott's in-home studio in avon colorado there's guitars all around us there's audio equipment the vibe is impeccable and i think the scene overall is just a really good setting for us to give you guys a great episode so with that enjoy today's episode (laughs) Scott, you are definitely one of the most highly anticipated interviews I've done to date. So I'm so sweet. Yeah, I'm (laughs) I'm like so thrilled and grateful that uh, we're getting a chance to sit down with you tonight. Awesome.
1: Look forward to talking.
0: Yeah, me too. Me too. (laughs) So I'm curious. The first, just right off the bat, like, how did you get your start in music, and you know, how and why did you decide to pursue music as a career?
1: Well, I guess the start, my mom violin. She got me a violin and she said, You're gonna play, you know. So I got the violin when I was four years old. And uh the hot cross buns led to this and that, you know. And uh I was I ended up teaching the, the kids with Miss Bin, our teacher. Miss Bin was a sweet lady. And uh so I played violin, you know, concerts in the mall and all that sort of stuff. And I, I enjoyed it. I enjoyed I enjoyed making the music. It it it, uh, it drew me in, you know, as a kid. It's like, you know, you're trying to just capture you're just trying to trying to just give the child nourishment mental nourishment you know be like try this you know it's like a same as a sport essentially you know um to see what they like doing so I like that and then uh and then you know coming into third grade I I was like I want to I want to play cello you know like cello looks cooler and I like the tonality of it deeper and I just bought one the sun, during COVID yeah. oh, that's beautiful. and then the missus snapped a string on it one night. How do you do that? <laughs> yeah. I, I just, I have no idea, but that oh, was, God. that was a whole, that was a whole podcast of a night in yeah. itself. Oh gosh. Uh, so, so then, too. so then, uh, you know, I just wasn't into the orchestra thing sit, the, the, and reading the music and, and like, I just wanted to, you know, we all want to figure out how to do it faster. Right. How do I learn how to rock faster? Then I was like, you know, So I tried the clarinet, like, you know, tried a woodwind just for a year, and that was just not my bag at all. And then by the time I was in sixth grade, uh, I got some little three-quarters scale Mach one electric guitar, and, and, uh, you know, I'd started listening to all the classic rock at that time, just, you know, Zeppelin and Floyd and... Once, once I got through like into junior high and through that, and then we started playing some of the parties, you know. And we were we were just awful, you know. What was the
0: name of your group back
1: then? I think the first round herb tea and the strawberry jam, you know, like something (laughs) ridiculous. And then of course it turned into the pulling tubes, you know. know, And then uh, I mean, there's some just some been some ridiculousness along the way. So then, then uh, getting into high school, Grateful Dead, you know. uh, Then I started going to Dead shows. And that just changed everything. That just changed the whole necessity to play and jam and and experience, experience the freedom, you know? What was it about the dead, you think? Oh God, it was everything. Absolutely everything. It was the scene, it was, it was like, you know, the drugs, the, oh. you know, lightly for me, you know, um, I enjoyed them and I expanded my mind and, but I uh, it you know, as a as a 16, 17 year old kid going there and experiencing the, the parking lot was just insanity. Shakedown street, you know, you know, I mean it was just insanity. You saw everything there. And uh it got it was just so neat. The smells, the patchouli and grilled cheese, you know, and like and beer. But the the music took you places, you know, it 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 really it it took you out there. And allowed you to sort of learn the music while you're out there, you know because you're noodling and jamming in space and all that and you and it's a time when you can sort of hear movements in the music you know wow. um and and the, and create communication skills with bandmates you know and and you know playing the parties in the garages um in high school you know rolling the carpet out, setting up the pa you know it was just it was just uh, it was just a, to me it was a miniature version of, a, of, of their show and but no less proud to produce it you know and um, that just that just stuck with me I just I, I just love um, sort of getting inside I've always loved getting inside of the singer and the song and the lyrics and interpreting interpreting instead of just covering you know so all that started back then. And then I couldn't wait to get out of New Jersey. <laughs> you know, I grew up skiing at a local ski area in New Jersey, and my parents were patrollers, and it was so fun. And I'd read Ski Magazine. I'd be like, where the hell is that Copper <laughs> Mountain? You know, where is that? And I have my sister who was a year older than me, went to CMC in Leadville. So mm. I was like, I'm so following her, and she's going to hate me for it. You know, just, yeah. and she did. She, But I skied 100 days that year. And and that's and I was a busboy at Copper Commons at the at the base right. I, this is uh, I'm 48 now. This was 30 years ago, 29 years ago. And Shannon Tanner, he was playing there, and I was busting tables. And I'm like, I'm looking at him, and then I'm looking up at the mountain, and I was like, wait a minute, I know what I'm gonna do. I'm gonna do that. No way. I could ski. It was it was everything I loved, right? It was literally that moment. It was it was that moment, and I looked at him, and I went over there, and I was like can I play a couple of songs? And he was like, can you play? And I was like, yeah, yeah, kind of, you know? And he's like, sure. I was like, let me get rid of my bus pan, you know? And I came back. You were on shift, like you were I was on shift. (laughs) And, and I, uh, you know, I, I went and put the bus pan down and I walked back over to him and and he's like, what's your name, man? You know, I was like, Scott Redner. And he's like, hey, Scott Redner, you know, like, welcome. And I got up there in my uniform, you know, I probably, I think I took the apron off or something, you know, I'd be like, that's not cool. And I played three Dead Tunes. I played like Monkey and the Engineer, Deep Ellen Blues, and oh God, I can never remember the other one. People got on the tables and started dancing. Whoa. And I was just blown away. Like I was just that, I was like, that's it. You know, that's it. And then I watched these other guys, Mo Dixon, who was an incredible finger style player and energetic guy. He was like a, a bump champion, you know, and he he skied. And I was like, this is it. I'm, you know, I got it. You know, so just attempted college for a bit, and that semester didn't work out. I think I, had th- I went to three classes, maybe.
0: Wow. Skied a hundred
1: days, but I figured out what I wanted to do. Right. Mm. So then I was like, uh, "All right, I'll move to Steamboat. I'll go to CMC there. I'll figure it all out there. Yeah, you know, I'll bank. do so much better there." <laughs> I think I went half of the amount of times that I went my second semester in Leadville, which was three. So one and a half times. A half. I, went, I, I went to one full class and then another half. And I was like, this is total waste of my time because I don't care what they're saying at all. Wow. I went back home to sort things out that summer and decided to go to school at CSU. I'll try it there. Not it not like at the ski area. Yeah, you know? so one and a
0: half days you're like I can maybe
1: Yeah, I'm <laughs> like I'm like I'll change it. I'll turn the whole thing around, mom, you know, like like you know, wow. me and the dog that you know.
0: Oh gosh, man.
1: I'm a, I'm a contractor. I build build houses. So I was building houses and stuff at the time. And I shot a nail through through three fingers like a framing nail. Oh, like gosh. this guy I was working for, you know, we were framing like a house a week, you know, and like going to school, like some night. I was, you know, balancing it out. <laughs> Mom. <laughs> Whoa. So, uh, so, you know, I'm about to put a stud on the end of a wall and the guy's looking over my shoulder. I'm like, why are you standing there? And I look look back and I just blew a nail through three no. fingers. And I was like, oh my God. Oh no. And uh, so, so uh, he's like, all right, all right, all right, all right. You know. Try here's pliers, and I'm like pliers. <laughs> I'm like, I'll oh. give it a go, man. So I just put the pliers oh. on it, and I started pulling. And I was like, oh. No way in hell, I'm going to be able to pull this 16 penny nail out with glue on it that's in three fingers. Dude, so he's dude. like, All right, let's go to the office, the construction office. But so you we, still have the nail in. Oh, there. nail's in there. It's like you know, it's just like I'm like my arms shaking in here, like you know, and into the pinky. Yeah. And uh, so I go in there, and he's like, All right, take it, you know, this guy. <laughs> So he grabs, he goes, look, on three, I'm going to pull it out. And I was like, oh, God, all right, all right, one. And on two, he just rips it right out of my fingers. And I was like, oh, my God, man, you know, I have open mic tonight. What am I going to do? That's the first thing I thought about. How am I going to play oh, open, open, mic? open mic night oh, in Fort Collins? Because I just sort of I moved there and I was like, you know, how do you, how do you get to know people? Go to open mic, you oh, know, no. open mic nightmare. You were going to play, what, guitar? Or? Yeah, go play and sing, you know. So I tape, it, I tape it all up. I like pour peroxide, you know, the you know, whole deal. And then I go there that night and man, it's just like, it hurts like shit. And, and so I go there and I don't have a guitar, right? Because I like went straight there. So there's this guy, Corey Hubbard, who is running the open mic at the Pickle Barrel in Fort Collins. So, you know, I was that guy. Dude, can I use your guitar? No, no, man. I'm like, come on, please. He's like, if you break a string... That you know, I mean, I'm going to kill you, and I'm like, I ain't get, I'm not going to break a string. It'll be fine. He's like, what's wrong with your hand? I was like, I blew a nail through it today, and he's like, you can play, and I'm like, that D chord's a real bitch, you know. <laughs> so I go up there and 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 I'm playing like I played like a song or two, and then I start playing "Breaking the Girl" by the Chili Peppers, and damn if I didn't break a string on his guitar, and <laughs> he <laughs> hated, he hated me. Oh God, hated me, and I was like, I'm sorry, man. He's like, you know, like. Psh. Don't come back. You right. know, what, what's he, so
0: bad about breaking a string? No,
1: I was just the guy. I didn't bring a guitar. And then, he, I, then he's got to change string, you know? And you it's like, it. yeah, it's the, just the like, mess. come on, dude. Yeah. It's just rookie. Okay. And I was totally a rookie. So it makes sense. So, so like time goes by. And uh, I start playing with this crazy guy who's a vet student and a smoke jumper and a mandolin, banjo guitar player, Steve Baker. So Steve knows Corey and Steve's playing with me. And Steve goes to, to Corey, he goes, hey, I met this guy. I can play and sing. You know, we should get a band going together, you know? Corey's like, who? He's like, he's like, this guy, Scott. And Corey's like, no, nope, nope, nope. Steve's like, come on, man, he's cool. Like, let's play. And Corey's like, nope, nope. So what happens? We get together and play. He and I become best friends. Really? To to this day. Yeah. Yeah. So we formed a band in Fort Collins called Duck Butter, and I would skateboard to the gig with the dog and the guitar, you know, like amazing. And, uh, And then out of that, formed our group, Dear Liza. So Dear Liza uh, ended up touring around the country for four years. We got picked up by Blues Travelers Management. They heard our tape, so they call us to play. We go over to the manager's house, and we play at his Christmas party in the corner. The whole band's there. They decide that we're going to go into New York City, and they put us in Sony Studios in the A room, you know, like Michael Jackson, Diana Ross Hall on the wall. Just amazing, super overwhelming for a kid, you know. And I wasn't uh I wasn't very confident in my playing at the time. So recording with the guy, you know, at the big desk in the room with the click. You know, I'd never really done that. What do you mean the click? With the click track, you know, to
0: Oh, oh yeah, the metro oh yeah. Yeah, the
1: metro to so yeah. keep so they can click the song out. And then, you know, so you gotta know, you gotta be relaxed enough to get inside of the tempo of the click and play within it. Not on it, you know, but within it. So we got through it all. It was cool. You know, the recordings are fun. They came out, you know, cool. We never, we never actually finished a, a full, like, studio album with that band because we toured so much and then the band broke up. And then that, that being so overwhelmed at 23 years old, you know, opening up for Blues Traveler at their peak, you know, 10,000 people on their feet, you know, for screaming for, for a, you know, an encore from the opening band. Wow. Like Olympic Arena. And then, you know, so I was so familiar with Colorado, we just started booking tours out here. When you could play out in Colorado for an entire month, you could tour the state for a month. We had this band and we're just rocking. We're just like, it's a steep climb, you know, to the top. We're like, we're going to make it. We're going to make it. I mean, we were going to make it, you know. Wow. Um and so my friend Corey starts sleeping with our manager's girlfriend while living in his house. Oh, like,
0: uh oh. Yeah,
1: bad news.
0: So he's dating this girl, and you're, you're the guy in your band starts
1: sleeping with her. He, yeah, it's his girlfriend, and uh-huh. this big house in Princeton, uh-huh. and he's putting us up at his house and putting us on the road and all this, and then he just his, I mean, talk about bad choice. Yeah. Um. So, heading out on our three month tour. Two years into it, like, we're about to get signed. Like, it's just about to all happen. We're driving out. Dave knows. He heard about what's going on. He's about to not be... He's about to call us and and quit managing the band. Our motor was blowing up. I mean, it, you know, the same time we get the call. I mean, the whole, the whole band just burned, like, right there. Like, lost the management because of all this. We just got in this horrible fight because of, like, how could you screw this up, you know? So that was just devastating, devastating, um, you know, to to go from being 18 and getting the guitar from Shannon Tanner to a rock band on tour, you know, hanging out with Lenny Kravitz and Dave Matthews and, you know, Skunk Baxter and every, I mean, everybody, you know, they loved us because we were the kids with the handicapped transport vehicle that we turned into our little tour bus <laughs> eight, eight of us and around. three dogs. Wow. You know, <laughs> 250 so shows a year. Oh my gosh. Yeah. So,, um, and I was booking all of that stuff and and it was it was crazy. you know, I'd just I'd roll out, roll out of bed and and just pick up the phone and start I had a calendar in front of me, and I had to fill every day on that calendar with money. you wow. know that was the goal. And then just develop it because I knew I, had, I felt so strongly about the music that I, I, this, it's gonna stick. This is gonna stick, you know. So then we thought, uh, we could change the, the chemistry in the band. We hired this other guy. Um, got rid of Corey, and uh, he's a great guy, great player and singer. But it just wasn't the same. Mm. And uh, so it was like, you know, straight up. Yeah. And then a uh, then a moderate ride down while trying to figure out who were we? Yeah. Because we're not this anymore. Damn. You know, we're not that beloved thing that we all believed in. Mm. You know. So um, two years go by, and then then. uh you know, we were living in San Francisco at the time. And uh, Bobby Sheehan had passed away, the baseball player from Blues Traveler. Wow. And uh, so we went back to New York for the funeral and never went back to San Francisco. Um, I started dating this girl, Heather Lynn, who was managing the, our band at the time. So I had to break that off because I was just like... I, I had gone through. A, it was a horrible breakup, losing the band and all of that. Like now, who am I? Now what? I got to figure this out all over again. Like I had my eye on the prize, like the you know the whole deal, and uh, it was it was really really tough, you know. Um, so, so I I I said I have to leave. I told her I was. I found myself crying in the closet, literally. Like, I and and I was like I I have to leave because I'll never know what I. Could become if i stay they're very wealthy you eat you know, sicilian family eat here sit there you'll work here i'll buy you this you know thing you can make your cabinets like you'll live here and it's like you'll be a part of the columbus citizens foundation young italian americans i'm like i am not italian man i can't even <laughs> fake it i can't fake that at all You guys oh. i am from jersey but <laughs> and i appreciate my italians and the food no but so anyway so i lived in the bronx for three years and that I, so I, I i said i'll never know what i can become if i stay and she said i get that and i left i moved into my mom's house i think i was 32 33 years old into like my sister's little bedroom and i just started writing you know and i wrote my i wrote most of my first solo record some of the stuff i'm most proud of I just let it pour out, you know, because it was depressing as shit. You know, I was, I was rolling deep in New York City, and then I'm living in my, in a, my mom's two-bedroom house. I love, love her, but, you know, it's like... So I was there for three months and, and uh, started my construction company, built a couple of libraries and stuff for people, wow. um, and saved up enough money and bought a house in Trenton within three months. What? Uh, at 1922 Dutch Colonial, beautiful old home. And uh, and then I started getting instruments and moving instruments in and I filled all it was a five bedroom. I filled all the bedrooms with renters, friends, and we made a music house, you know. As I built the construction company and I built an audio design business, I started dabbling in all the audio and built a couple of clubs and I was engineering quite a bit and playing, you know, and, and experiencing Trenton, you know, where my family's from. I we I recorded my, my first solo record at, at my house there and we mixed it um in Concha and with uh, Phil Nicola, one of the butcher brothers who did all the Fuji stuff and uh, legend. Whoa. Got to got to work in that room and, and do that. Damn. So so I put out I put out that record and um then I started coming to Vail skiing and I, you know I then I finally said to Phil Long one time, can I play a couple? I was that guy too. Oh man, I'm that. I am what's, that guy. Who's that? What's that guy? That guy that says, "Can I sit in? Can I play? Can, uh, I, can I borrow your guitar without breaking uh, yeah. a string? that guy. <laughs> that guy. That guy sucks. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> and uh, you know, it's this tall, lanky security guy standing on the stage, young kid. I'm like, "Hey, dude." He's like, "He's like, hey," you know. And I, so I play a couple, and he's like, "Play, play a few more," you know. I was like, oh, "Okay." So cool. It was fun. I came back the next day, probably played, you know. And then the next year, I came back again, and he remembered me and. And Phil got sick. He was like throwing up, and he's like, "Can you cover for me?" And he wasn't giving up any shifts in those days. It, like never. And I was like, "Sure." I think how long's the set? I'm like, "Where are my words? Where's my book? I don't have my book." So actually, I had my book with me because I think I was, you know, well, your book of music,
0: all the songs, just the and book the with all the songs and the yeah. charts and all that got stuff.
1: It. Um, I don't know whether I had it that first time, but anyway, I. I, I played the gig and he sent somebody in to spy on me and I I I you know I was drinking for sure and I, I turned it into this fun thing like I'm on vacation man like what are we doing you know let's and you know the guy was like he's killing it you know so Phil uh, called me that summer and offered me a full time job playing there with him at, the, at red the, the red line yeah and I'm in Trent and I'm like hmm hmm you know I'm working hard you know to make 60 grand a year back there you know like it's the music scene, you know, was lacking for sure. Mm. So I was like, all right, I'll, I'll try it. Yeah, I'll come out. So I, so I went out for two weeks and tried it. And after the two weeks, I he's like, so when when you want to start? And I was like, I'm not going to do it. <laughs> you didn't want to? No, it. I said, no. I said, I, "I it's not really my thing, man. I want to, you know, I want to, I have my band. I'm working on my music back east and, you know, like, me, nee. Yeah. And he's like, wow, okay. Um, I was like, well, I'll be back. We'll talk, blah, blah, blah. And then I went home. And about a week later, I'm walking across a job site. And I stopped dead in my tracks. and And I heard someone say, maybe it was me, what do you want, dude? Right? And I'm like, who said that? And I was like, I think I said that. And I was like, I wanna play, like Donna, Wait, I wanna- You might've said that to yourself. No, I, I did say it, but it, I was like, who said that? Because I, I, I felt, I stopped in my tracks and I was like, what do you want? And I was like, I wanna play my guitar and sing. And I had this conversation with myself, take the gig. You know, this isn't the gig you want, but you're, you'll, you'll play eight shows a week. And the gig after this, will you'll be ready for, cause I'll be cutting my chops, you know, singing and playing a lot. And I knew I, knew I was getting better, singing and playing. And uh so I was like, I'm gonna, I'm I'm gonna take the gig. I'm gonna give myself to the music and it's gonna give back. Hmm. I said it out loud and and from that moment I started I, I called him up and I was like, I'll take the gig, man. But I got a lot going on here. So I flew back and forth two weeks here, a week back there, two weeks here until I like closed out the businesses, sold a bunch of stuff. And uh, just got the nerve up to be just pull out of there, you know, with a trailer. Wow. Everything that fit in the trailer, I took. Were you know? scared? Did, did you? More excited, you know, oh, nice. excited. I knew I was headed to Vail, you know, and I had had a girlfriend already, um, and she went back with me, and we loaded all my stuff out, and and we drove out together. So, so I flew back and forth for two years, and then in my third year, we packed everything up and drove out. Mm. And in that right at the beginning of that season phil got caught cheating on his wife so they fired me from half of the shows to break his show down because we were strong they wanted wanted his wife was one of the owners too so that's not gonna happen so so you know i was like i i'm giving myself to you guys you know i moved here I, I, I'm making you tons of money here right now. I'm in it with you. Let's do this, right? Like, I want, I'm a long-term guy. I'm, like, I'm thinking, like, we can build something. We could develop a brand out of something, you know? So I, I spitballed ideas back and forth with them. No bite, no, no interest. And uh, so I just booked myself seven days a week, right? I did my night shows with them Thursday, Friday, Saturday, or Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, Saturday and i played sunday monday tuesday as well so i did 10 shows a week that winter man 7 days a week to, and i'd had Dude. i had my guitar and i carried everything man you know earn your turns right yeah yeah you weren't gas? like you didn't feel like burnout i was energized i was like somebody's going to see me this season and something great is going to happen right mm. and and I, you know, I was still dating that that same girl and and uh, she's like you know Cool, you know. I was like, I'm serious. I'm. They can't do this to me. Like, I gave them. I left my life to come here, and then they just kicked me out of ha- like no respect at all. I was, I was, re- you know, they're my friends there, but I was really taken back by that moment and being like, you know, that's not cool to, you know,
0: it, you I feel like
1: everything and you just planted here for them and to play music to there. play just there that yeah. that you know for them and uh, and that was it and uh, so. Uh, it wasn't spiteful. It was like, it was like, okay, here's this window now do this. Right. So, so I, I said, someone's going to see me and something great's going to happen. So I picked up a shift at the red line on a one, some Tuesday for Brendan McKinney and, uh, I'm playing and that's the skinny kid still standing next to me. You know, how many years later, uh, Bryce, it's Bryce, the security guy. Yeah. Nice. My, he's, he's my business partner now. Oh wow. Yeah. What? So yeah. So, uh, so, I'm playing, and, and this guy walks up and he throws a thousand bucks in the tip jar. No. Oh. Yeah. And he said, You rock, dude. You need your own place. And I was like, Cool. Whoa, that's. So I said, to, Bri- I said to Bryce, I said, This guy's going to buy me a bar. You come run it if he does. He's like, Okay. So, so um, we, we chatted further. He said, We've been watching you for a couple of years now. And uh, six weeks later, uh, they bought the club for me. This guy who dropped in a thousand bucks, he bought the lease on what was the club, and and uh, I designed Shakedown and built the whole thing there, and then uh, wow. then we bought we bought him out. Um, there's a whole story behind him too, but I'll be I want to be respectful. Yeah, um, very nice guy. You know, love him to death. Changed my life forever. Right? I mean, this guy. This guy. I look back and I'm like, that's a serious moment in my life that like, you know, that being given the opportunity to design my own venue at the base of Vail Mountain, you know, like, you know, growing up skiing and playing music, wow. you know, so I was just like, oh my God, how the hell is this? You know, so, so we're working a couple of years and it got strong. He lost all his money. Um, and, uh, and I bought him out. My mom mortgaged her house and we bought him out. Uh, and then, uh, you know, we were running the place, running the place. The landlord's been so kind, you know, she like let the lease slip right into my hands, you know, without much trouble and just been so helpful believing in us. And, uh, so after a few years went by, we built, we continued to build the brand and build our roster of artists, you know? playing in, in there and developing, you know, that whole vibe that, that is our entire production company now. That, uh, you know, then I had I had a couple of little baby girls, which are amazing, Harper and Charlie, my mm-hmm. wife, and I got married, my wife, Tiffany. I met Tiffany about seven years ago, seven and a half years ago. I'd, I'd seen her in the bar with her boyfriend, fiance. Anyway, we ended up going to dinner together one night, like, you know, out of the blue and, uh, you know, had a little thing for each other. And a year and a half later, uh, we started chatting. We were both single, singling up, you know, and uh, we, we ended up dating for three weeks and decided to have a baby. Wow. And uh, it's been seven years now. And we got, we got married last year and we have a little Charlie too. A a few years into it when I was like, we need to, I need to buy a house for the family. So I sold Bryce, uh, you know, a portion of the bar to raise some money.
0: And I'm curious, like just before we leave Bryce, how did you decide on making him a business partner?
1: I trusted him from the moment I met him, I was like, he, he had never poured a drink in his life, you know? And, uh, it, I think the most important thing is trust, you know, hmm. if you trust, you know, and like, we can teach him, you know, and he's smart. So he just, you know, he went through and now he does all our accounting and every I mean, he's just like, wow. uh, uh, he's my partner, you know, I mean, all these years since I just came out skiing, you know, it's crazy yeah, you that's know, same amazing. guy. That skinny guy, that skinny security guy. Hey kid. Wow. <laughs> um, yeah, so that that was really fun and so we bought uh, we bought ended up buying our house with our recording studio and um god, we released a record um with John Popper during those first couple of years at the bar too. Uh, got to record in in Memphis. There's there's so many little uh, you know, Little streams that run off the river here. To, yeah, and to can so you, many little stories.
0: Shakedown has so many amazing artists. Can you just name a few of the artists that come
1: and perform at Shakedown? Well, you know the um, <clears throat> the the family is Brothers Keeper, Michael Jude and John Michelle, um, Rob Eaton Jr., uh, Sean Eccles, Corey Montgomery, uh, Bill McKay, Eric Luba, uh, Todd Smalley, Kramer Kelling, uh, Brian Loftus mark levy joey porter big gigantic uh uh, jeremy jeremy's played with us a few times um i'm sure i'm missing all sorts of wonderful people yeah it's it's just been uh the is is just full of beautiful humans that really know how to play well and with each other you know no but no egos egos were never allowed in because the ego gets in the way of the of of the mission the mission is to present the song right interpret the song in a manner that pleases you and the people right without without you know self-loathing you know through through endless guitar solos or whatever it's all heads up stuff you know we know when they're ready we, you know, we know when they're ready to, for, you know? That's the thing about Shakedown. It's so
0: consistently good. Like my friends, like we really do love to just finish out our night at Shakedown because you know that what you're about to get into is going to be fun.
1: Yeah. It's going to be good music. And that, that, that's been the thing. You know, when you walk down the steps and you look through that little window, it's got my name on it. So it's, I, so I have to, you know, my friends call me like a gangster a little bit, you know, because it's like, it's like mountain gangster, you know, because, because, how dare you compromise what we're doing you know what i'm saying i mean i'm not i'm not perfect nobody's perfect we don't want to be perfect but what we want to be is aware of what we're doing right yeah and be aware of the points you want pointed you want to sharpen the pencil you want to know when the pre chorus hits you want to know when the chorus hits you want to be dynamic right you want to play um instruments to complement one another i mean there's so much you yeah. know don't double the singer sing a har- uh, you know an interval you know harmony all it's like be aware, be aware. And you were telling me you've got this fine ear,
0: precise ear. You can't even have a conversation with someone. If you hear a small frequency,
1: if if it's in, if it's a show I'm working, if it's, if there's music playing through a live PA or something, it's it, to me, it, it it's like the first thing my brain like, Tries to resolve, you know, like it, it, I, it, like it shuts the gate on the conversation and goes to resolve mode. Be like, the, name the frequency and and where's it coming from and how do you fix it, you know? So I start looking around and then everybody's everybody's like, uh oh, you know. I'm like, no, I gotta go, <laughs> you know. But it's it's the it's the quest for the ultimate experience, right? Mm. The ultimate experience to me has no feedback in the show. It has, you know, it's real, it's raw, it's rock and roll, it's loose, but it's it's correct, you know?
0: So I have a lot of listeners who are aspiring musicians. Can you share any maybe wisdom or advice for someone, you know, in the music business trying to make it?
1: Oh, boy. Um, I can only advise... Oh, man. I can only advise as a, you know, a player. I, uh, I I believe the money should flow directly, more directly to the artist. So the music business kind of turns my stomach a little bit, you know? Mm. Um, one of our goals is to... Get more money directly to the artist like i'm not calling managers and agents you know like because they're trying to get over on me and and that they the artist is my friend so it's like i end up just eliminating that we set a deal and this the goes every time you know because i'm like you know my friends don't want me to go out of business the agent doesn't care typically you know that's what i've experienced i'm not saying all of them but i've experienced some some nasty stuff that i'm just like it just turns me off you know yeah it's the it's the bad side of the music music and business you know it's like Mm. make the music do the best you can do what you do uh pay attention to the details right find the pocket the groove right what's your vibe what do you do what what do you offer to the song how do you play with others Mm. um you know it's an ensemble bands are an ensemble and an ensemble is people playing with each other. So, um, be sure of how to, how to, uh, of what you're doing. Don't be afraid. Fear is your enemy and keep your, keep your head up and listen. Just always listen to what other people are doing because, you know, maybe you're not the leader of the band, you know, Maybe you know one out of five guys is going to be that night. So your job is to watch that leader for any possible cue he may get. He may give you know, and you just it's just heads up, heads up, eyes open, ears ears listening. You know, um, and it ain't about you. Hmm. Yeah, you know, it's not about you. It's about the listeners. You know, we get joy from it, right? except take the joy, you know, bathe in the joy, but like, don't, don't make it about you by, you know, looping and soloing forever. And we've all done it, you know, we've all, but, but the goal is to learn. Right. Yeah. I mean, yeah. And you were saying even before we, we put on the mics, it's about the vibe. It it's really about is, the vibe. play yeah. with older guys, play with older guys, mm. always play with older guys. Mm. Cause they will tell you, <laughs> I, you know, I, I, I got the opportunity to tour with, uh, with Ween for a while. And uh, is a good buddy of mine. And and Glenn McClellan is the, my oldest friend in the band, the keyboard player. So Glenn and I actually came out and played at the club before I even played. Uh, I think it was like a Sunday. Like I took a day. It was like in the middle of my Red Line stuff or maybe uh, I, th- I, I can't remember if it was in the middle of those first few years, but we played the first set and I got the bartender back there. They're all friends of mine now, you know? And... Going faster, play faster, faster. I'm like, play faster. What the hell is this? And I'm like, I feel the angst from the people. Come on. And they're like, sweet home Alabama. And I'm like, oh my God, where's the back door? You know, like, <laughs> like, like, like this is ter- so, so am I playing well and correctly? Hell no. Right. I'm trying to play faster and I'm, and I'm trying to figure out what the hell's going on while I'm playing. So I'm certainly not focused on mm. being dynamic. Right. So Glenn, we go outside to have a smoke or something but after the first, and Glenn just tore me one. He just, and you know what, Red, blah, 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 you know? And I was like, holy cow. And then I had a choice, right? I had a choice to just be like, no, or sulk, or whatever. And I was like, I got you. You're, you're absolutely right. I was super distracted. I'm not going to give a bunch of excuses, but we'll do it right next time. And we went in, it was totally... see and since then yeah glenn always sets up next to me because we we play together you know it's like play with older guys because they'll they'll bring you through that stuff and they're not afraid to tell you when you're when you're screwing up you know
0: that's really cool scott that's a wisdom nugget right there it is it is
1: and don't be and 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 i hope and and you should hope that 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 they rip you one you know or two or three or whatever you know but um they you know if you have good energy and and you're bringing and you're bringing something to the to the ensemble right then then you know and and you're learning and changing no one's going to push you away mm. you know you just you have to you have to open your head up and and the ego is the thing that you know you know insecurity egos insecurity it's all the same shit you know it's all it's all a block from the, from the mission
0: right because you need like you were saying you need to listen to what's going on around you listen to the people
1: yeah. communicate and, and think about that not think about you and, and how when is my solo when is, and how long is it going to be and do they they're, look they're digging me yeah. you know like yeah. that's not that's yeah. you know you play to the play to the song
0: and Scott I thought this was a pretty crazy number how many shows have you done oh god we started doing the math yeah I I, I remember the number in my head uh,
1: I what You said something over in the league of like 8,000 shows. It's that's probably low balling it after, (sighs) after doing, you know, I mean, I was playing five days a week, two shows a day, 10 a week for it's, that's probably, it's probably around 10,000, you know? And that's like Malcolm Gladwell's like ideal number. If you want to become a master at something, an expert, 10,000 hours. That's the the hour. So each gig is three or four hours. (laughs) That's wild. That's wild. (laughs) You know? Um, it's it's a fun journey, you know. When you get to that place where you are comfortable, right, with your playing, um, you're you're confident in it. You know, at the point, if you're a singer, if you can, li- when you can listen to yourself sing, you've really gotten somewhere. Because I don't know many singers that can listen to themselves. And, and what do you mean, just like too nervous? Yeah, or? The, no, 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 no. Like listen to yourself recorded, because you know people oh. don't typically like to hear the sound of their That's own right. voice. Yeah. You know, um, but. When you learn how, after you learn how to sing and you're singing on pitch, then it's you're like, all right, that's and so what we do, what we've done at the bar forever is we record every night, every single show that's been at Shakedown, we have recorded on all these hard drives. Oh, so and then we come back and maybe the next time the band's up or whoever played, we come here and we have listening parties. Oh, that's awesome. And and we solo out the vocals and be like, see how flat you're singing there, you know. And, and it's like head in the lap kind of shit. Like, yeah, yeah. but what better way to to fix the problem, right? That's so, awesome. so we we listen. How are these? Get, there's three guitars. How are you playing together? What do you? And like often we're like, holy cow! It's you could tell we're listening. You know, like Junior, Rob Junior, Eric McFadden, and I. Like nobody stepping on each other. We had four guitars. Uh, Anders back from Green Sky. Um, Junior and I and um, another friend from Vermont I'm, I'm, his name is Skip, slipping past me now but we didn't realize there was four of us playing on the gig guitar players until the end of the gig
0: what do you no way
1: it, well, it was never it never ever got to a point where it was like this is too much the, And we then we then noticed we just got to the end of the gig and I was like oh my god there was four guitar players up there <laughs> that's wild you know and uh, you know listen back and it, it it was just as it's just as pleasant, but it's the best way to learn. There's no better way to learn than, than, than firing the show up and starting to solo out stuff. You can hear tempo fluctuations. You can hear, you know, I don't like that. Why did I play that note in that solo? You know, and then, and then, I mean, we all remember it. You know, so it's like, if we all want to get better, then we're going to come in and we're going to sit and listen, and then we're, and we're going to grow, right? Wow. I'm like look what you're doing here. There was one time with this keyboard player and I was like look at listen listen cuz when we listen we're like oh my god what is he doing? You know, and it was like head in the lap, you know, like what have I done, you know, kind of stuff. And right. and uh people don't forget that that moment. You're like I never want to do that again. So well, yeah, playing inappropriately. Right. You know. But what better way to learn? What better way to learn to than surface. have it tossed in your face like yeah. a big old rotten donut. Right. Like, you know, <laughs> you know like, oh, like man. check you, check you out, yeah. dog, man. <laughs> you were really on it. No, 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 sir. No. And we're all sit around yeah. and we're like arms yeah. folded, pointing, yeah, yeah, you yeah, know. yeah. don't get him a beer, you know? So, <laughs>
0: so Scott is, um, is music, does it do it for you spiritually? Like what do you feel like spiritually fulfilled by the music and what you're doing right now?
1: Completely. Um, you know, we we went through a big recording phase over COVID and wrote a lot of songs and recorded them, and but but the way the summer has turned out, with um, you know with all the outdoor shows we've been doing, what what's gotten removed? The difference between playing inside Shakedown for two hundred people and playing outside for people that are like just wandering, enjoying themselves we get to play the music the way we want to play it without anybody going, come on, or, or those girls in front or whatever, or whatever it is, you know, going, you know, the bachelorette party, going. play, you know, play Britney Spears. It's just like, Oh fuck man. You know, like, what are you going to, yeah. it's like, and then there are drinks over the pedals, all the, It's just so distracting, right? Nobody's saying anything to us. So we lay the feel where we want it and we just play what we want. And it's, it it's been the best summer for music in my life. Yeah. Wow. You know, um the the roster uh the the big concerts out in the field, all of the guys are the best. They and you know and and uh, I need some more ladies in the mix too. They're coming up this weekend. Um female singers and uh there's Jessica Holloway is a great organ player too. There's there's just so many so many really nice people that are really good in this state. And and we're super proud to have them on the roster and be able to you know contribute to them financially you know reliably every year so cool you man. know so having the bar shut is you know um is it's it's it really affects me because i i know the lifeline that we create for all of our people you know it's like a quarter million bucks a year you know so um, we've been able to pick up on that and be playing a lot. And the town of Bale helped us out. I, went, you know, I went to them and proposed all this stuff to them, and they they just fully supported it. You guys are doing it's called Shakedown Presents. Yeah, we started on- that whole new company. You know, um, and we got a bigger team working now, and it's just things are about to explode in a whole new direction right now. Um, there's just a lot of irons in the fire for us. Um, you know, we're you know with. Having COVID come and, and just pausing your entire world is just a gift, okay? Not the disease, but the pause—the pause to reflect on what you, what you, you know, like and don't like about your life, and you have the opportunity to change it. Right? I don't like being out till four in the morning. You know, I don't like that I got kids in school. Like, you know, I need to be a dad, so I can be home at nine o'clock. We've been playing, you know, all these daytime shows, which is so fun and it's um it's just, there's a lot more clarity to it you know it's it's just the music you know wow. in a great setting <clears throat> so so we get to observe those and retool right our our resources right like we're retooling the bar we're going to it's going to be more exclusive you know we're trying to figure out how to survive and you know not charge too much if we can have 20 people or whatever but um, once everything returns to some sense of normalcy even a hundred people in the bar would be great, but stop it at that. I don't want to pack it. I want to make it a better experience and more exclusive. And if we can continue with all the outdoor stuff, you know, um, I don't like relying on the dollar, make uh, based decisions. I don't want to base any decisions on money. We base decisions on what do we want? What's the outcome? What are we, what's the mission? What are we looking to do? right? And then you do that well if you do and, and you get paid. So if you, and if you do it really well, you can get paid a lot. You know, so be growing the brand to become a bit more exclusive where it might be a couple hundred bucks for a ticket, but you know, who do you want to see, wow. you know, because our roster's growing. Damn. And, uh, I think we were the only ones in the country doing a concert series this summer. Whoa. You know, wow. um, I know there's some drive-in stuff, but we've been playing steady three, four days a week since, uh, July 11th. So wonderful, man. You know, so special. It is. It's been amazing, amazing summer. So,
0: is is it music? What makes you tick? Like, what is it that makes Scott Redner tick?
1: Life, life in general. I mean, my family. You know, my little girls, my wife, the Jeep, <laughs> <laughs> um, instruments. You know, all the instruments. Friends. Uh, you know, family. Um, I mentioned my mom quite a bit. She's been a huge supporter my whole life. Mortgaged the house twice for projects, you know, wow. for me. And just uh number one fan. And just, you know, she's still working. She worked the same job for 60 years. Still painting. Wow. Fine art. Painted pieces in the White House and stuff. And really. That's incredible. Yeah, really talented. Um, you know, so um, that and just, you know, I... I really enjoy um, having a site when I, I, you know, I make a plan. I make it, you know, we all have these crazy plans and all that. But once I can see that, like where I, I'm like, I could see it that like, dear Liza, I'm like, we're going to make it. I, there was no doubt. We're going to make it, you know, until, if, until you break the chemistry, like, like these concerts, the summer concerts, I see it happening. I see what it's doing for the town. The town has, is going to have no music this winter. Red Lion can't have music because of the 25-foot rule. Pepe's is shut down with the music. Um, Shakedown is going to be able to open for 20 people or something. So we have to rock out in the streets, right? So we got uh, proposals sent for big tents and uh, street rock and roll, you know, three or four days a week in both villages. And people can get their drinks and come outside with their gloves and hats on and, and hang out, oh, that's awesome. you know? just And and we're that's how we're going to – we have to do that because – I mean, the opera scene is just, is like so much of the draw for people. And if there is none, it's just going to, it's, we, 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 as a town have to, our, the, all the businesses have to address this and, and make sure that the visitors are, are get, getting some, that the experience like nothing on earth, you know? Wow. So what, what would do that for me is some killer rock and roll bands in the streets where you can get drink out there and do your opera outside that's amazing you know so we're just trying to continue this and if we can do all this none of my decisions at the bar will have to be driven by the necessity to pay rent you know cuz we'll be making enough money to kind of cover things and and just maintain the bar and keep it alive so that we can come back you know when things normalize
0: well, Scott, thank you so much, man, for sitting down with me. You're cool. Every word that comes out of your mouth makes you sound even cooler. So. Thanks, man. Yeah, thanks. <laughs> yeah, yeah, you're the truth, dude. And uh, yeah, again, I, I really appreciate you taking the time to sit down with
1: me. My pleasure, man. I I, I enjoy telling the story. There's so much, you know, and and uh, each little section sort of has a little tidbit of wisdom in it, you know. That I realize as I get older, and I'm like, you know, say it out loud what you want, you know. Except that moment when you you're walking across your job and that you know is short term and, and and if you hear what do you want say it say what you want right because that's the first time I'd said I just want to play my guitar and sing you know it was the fir- first time I'd ever said that like I just thought oh yeah yeah it's it's what it is. but if you acknowledge that then you'll take the gig knowing that the next gig is going to be better. Right. But if you'll never get to the next gig, if you don't take that gig that you don't want necessarily. Hmm. Right. So say what you want, Viralis say what it you want out loud. Yep. And then take the steps to get there. And eventually you'll be, you'll be there. I mean, you will be shocked if you just take those little steps in this, that direction, two years, three years, four years later, guess where you are Damn. somewhere else. Yeah. You're like, yeah. man, I've been walking for a long yeah. time.
0: <laughs> what is it? The journey of a thousand miles begins with a single step.
1: Right? Yeah. <laughs> it's, that's a fact, man. Yeah. You know, it, it, And, and, and all the chapters, you know, all the chapters, the, you know, it's like, you know, it's the violin, the garages, you know, the garages in high school, then, uh, and then, then Shannon Tanner allow me to play at Copper Commons and then, and then take, and then, uh, you know, and then touring the world, you know, and then take the, take the gig, man, you know, after you think it's like, is it, what am I going to do? You know? And so it's, those are all the moments have the, the decisions when I look back where I stayed on the right path you know well, so be aware <laughs> well thanks so much Scott man it's been a pleasure yeah right on brother <laughs>